0: dirt, grown to depravity, you are everything, that is bright and clean, the end of me, you are divinity, a certain side of grace is this, broken earth, flowers call up, push into the dirt, you are holy, Rise, hope. Side of grace was this wounded hands, redemption fell down, liberating man. You are holy, holy, holy. Heaven cries, Holy, holy, God. You are holy, holy. The more clearly can I feel the depth of our fall and the weight of it all. And so this might could be the most impossible thing, your grandness in me, cries holy
1: Good morning and welcome to worship. We're so thankful you're here. I know it's been frustrating to go, wait a minute, we were in person worship last week and this week we're not in person. Um, But we had some technical difficulties last week that we're trying to get the kinks worked out on. So we should have that done in the next week or so. And so we'll be back to in person worship, hopefully by the first of July, if not sooner. Uh, so today we're finishing our series on Holy, Holy, Holy. Uh, it is uh, this understanding of today specifically about the holiness that we have been called to live holy lives. We also want to recognize that today is Father's Day. So dads, we love you. We are so thankful for you and for all the sacrifices that you make for us. Uh, and there's nothing like a good old-fashioned bad dad joke. And so, uh, so we want to honor you today uh, with this video right now. Okay dads, let's go ahead and get started guys. Now, some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're gonna try to respect each other's boundaries. What? Tonight we've also got a guest with us. David, and would you
2: like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, hey guys, I'm David. David. How many kids do you have, David? None at least not at the moment. Uh, my wife is pregnant and uh, she should be delivering any day now. That's great. great. Super.
1: Oh, awesome. Who would like to go first? Anyone. Anyone. I'll go. Perfect. Todd, yes.
2: My daughter and I went to the mall and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second level. and I said
1: I don't trust stairs because they're always up to something. <laughs> Todd, I'm sorry that happened. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My turn? Okay. Can I go? Okay. Yesterday, actually, my daughter got home and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, a guy tried to sell me a coffin, but that's the last thing I need. Oh, Church. Jerry, that Church. joke is dead on arrival. Because <laughs> it's the last thing I need. David,
2: how about you? Oh, I didn't, I didn't say <laughs> this is a safe zone. Just jump on in. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm going to start telling bad jokes just like my dad. Well, it might be in our nature. We can fight against it.
1: Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed. M-I-S-T. Oh, You're a
0: monster. This is where the boundary is. I'm done. This is where you are.
2: Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. That was Julie. Her water just broke. I guess the baby finally ran out of womb.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna be a dad. Don't you think it should be going? Oh, yeah.
2: Hey. So I told my wife she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. Oh. You know
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, so yeah, we're trying to help give Nelson a little bit of time off uh, this week and getting ready for summer for band stuff. So you just get to see uh, a new face here and and, and a normal face here. Uh, and so uh, so yeah, so make sure to pull out your phone uh, for worship today and Google the lyrics for this. This one is "Take My Life." Uh, this one is uh, it's a is a rendition of an old hymn uh, that was redone for the Passion Movement. Uh, so uh, look up for the lyrics for Chris Tomlin for "Take My Life."
0: my life and let it be consecrated Thee. Take my And let me sing always, only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages Take my silver and my gold, not a my love my Lord I pour at your feet
2: Jared and I are here to tell you two things, right? Yes. How many? Five. Two. (laughs) Two things. So first, we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving so faithfully and diligently through the crazy pandemic, right? Yes. Is everyone doing a good job? Yes. Say thumbs up. Yes. And the second thing we wanna tell you about are the ways that you can give today. So first way is um, to text to give, and what you do is you're gonna text whatever amount it is that you wanna give to 84321. You can also give online, and to do that, just visit lewisburgwell.org. If you would rather not do that, you are able to mail us, uh, mail the church a check, and, and we'll take it from there. And, um, and we are looking forward to seeing everybody back in Hi. live worship as soon as we can. So thank you so much. Uh,
1: join us on this one too. This one's called Holy Spirit. see
0: Hey, sing sing. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free and my shame is
1: if anybody remembers david letterman's top 10 list now, i know I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit and this was before dave has that glorious you know santa claus looking beard that he has now um but, uh, but they were always on something you know comedy related funny related sometimes current events sometimes they were just made up stuff and sarcastic um and if you ever noticed and i'm not sure if you ever did this or paid attention but number two was always funnier than number one see what i just see what i just did there Number two is more funny. Anybody? Okay. All right. so, uh, but yeah, number two is always funnier than number one. So anyway, so now I want to give you my top ten list of things I don't ever want to preach about that are always the absolute bane of my existence. So here we go. Top ten favorite things to preach about. Number ten, worship wars. Number nine, gluttony. Huh? Okay. Number eight, revelations. For the love of goodness, if people don't recognize that it, it's one revelation, just saying. Number seven, human sexuality. Ah, number six, fasting. Oh wait, we've done a series on this. Number five, the wrath of God. There's nothing that makes you feel better when you walk out of church than knowing God's wrath is ready to take you down, right? Number four, Leviticus. Ah, okay, all right. Uh, and uh, number three, uh, everybody's favorite politics. Yeah. There's always politics in the Bible. There's always politics out in culture. And so we're like, oh yeah, let's preach on politics and, and current events. N- n- no. Number two, money. Yeah. That's always a fun one, right? Uh, we always love hearing that. So uh, so when you hear, uh, you, you heard a little bit earlier from Becky, yeah, that, that money is an important thing. and Boy, can't I tell you how much I love preaching on that. Number one, and in the bottom, If I had the drum roll, I kind of should have had the drum roll going here. Here we go. It's sin. Yeah. Nothing better than preaching on sin. Well, today, there's the, the David Letterman flip for you. For today, we, uh, we're going to hit two of those. <laughs> so I hope you're ready. Uh, so uh, the recap is this. We have, for the last couple, two or three weeks, we've been uh, doing a series on holy, holy, holy. So we've been doing holy, holy, holy. So H-O-L-E-Y-W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y. So the first understanding of holy is right that, uh, that Jesus is filling the gaps, these, these literally these holes in our souls, uh, that Jesus is there filling in those gaps for us. Even when we don't recognize that he's doing it, even at times when we think we know what's best for our lives, and Jesus says, I'll do that, but what about this too? And he looks at the whole. He's looking at us and saying, how is it that I can complete you? How is it that I can make you whole? And this is what salvation does for us. When we give our lives to Christ and we say, I'm totally yours, Jesus says, I'm going to make you complete. I'm going to make you whole. Uh, And then this one today. Today we're talking about is holy living. Um, This one's a little bit hard because we have been called, literally, to live holy lives. When we have committed our lives to Christ, we have been uh, called to live holy, which means that we have to let go of sin and lots of it. And I know that's an uncomfortable topic, but to be quite honest with you, it is absolutely necessary to discuss. And so what we're going to do is today, the scripture talks about today, we're going to talk First Peter. Uh, so if you've an opportunity, grab your Bibles. We're going to go to First Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, we're going to go 13 to 16. Uh, and Peter literally is giving a, a heads up, almost a warning, as the, Christian, uh, at the, as the Christians have spread out and have gone kind of all over. Uh, the idea is, uh, he's looking at them going, hey, there's a lot around you out there in the world. Uh, he's saying, hey, so be careful. You need to continue to live holy lives. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, and remember that phrase because that's important, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." In that very first verse, there, uh, in verse thirteen, what Paul, what Peter is telling us to do is basically to get ready. And he says, "Hey, I want you to be alert." And he's telling it for the first part of this, he's saying, "Get your minds ready." And he's saying, "Be alert, not just um, you know, not just out and looking around." He's saying, literally, "Be alert, uh, and not just alert." But he's saying also to be, uh, to be watchful and to be sober. This is the same language that we have, that be alert and be sober. is the same language from 1 Peter 5.8. When he tells us, hey, the devil is, he says be alert and be sober because the devil is prowling around like a lion, ready to devour. And so he's saying, again, early on, and then we'll repeat this in, in 1 Peter five. But he wants us to be aware and to be watching. He's not saying if things and if temptations come at you and if all this stuff comes in your direction, be ready. He's saying it is coming. Go ahead and be alert and be sober, be watchful, because the idea is it's coming right at you. And he says, and put your hope on that of Jesus Christ, on literally on the grace of Christ. Um, but he's telling them not just to get their minds ready, but he's telling them to get their hearts ready. Uh, that was a big part of this puzzle, too is that he wants us to know that we have to, at this point, when our minds are alert and sober, now it is time to go and drop the sin in our lives. He's saying, let go of the evil desires. Just let them go. And this is the part, to me, that's probably the most difficult. Um, Whenever we make that transition, we say yes to Christ, and we give our lives over to Christ, I am a firm believer that we always hold on to that one thing. Whatever that one thing is... Uh, you know, I always feel like I'm, I'm uh, you know, Curly from City Slickers. You know, that one thing, you know. Uh, but the idea is that you know, that one sin that we hold on to, we just don't want to let go. And it's funny, as people will then start to negotiate, right, there's this understanding of comparison, right, of going, you know what, but, but the sin that I, that I hold on to now is nowhere near as great as the sin as, as I had back in the day. Um, you know, what about, you know, the, the, the person I am now is so much better than the person I was then. And it's as if we can sit down and we can bargain with God. And let me just be straight up, that's not how that works. The understanding is we are to have sin or that when we have sin, we are to get rid of the sin and not just some of it, but it's to be all of it. Jesus did not make us whole just to leave us where we are in sin. And so he says what Peter goes on to say is be holy in all that you do, not just one thing, not just some things, but in all that you do, be holy. There are no options. It's not like we have some things we can pick and choose from. All things. One scholar puts it this way: "It says a holy God requires a holy people, and it is okay for us to embrace uh, our new holy lifestyles when we say yes to Christ and we we uh, we are beginning to live that life out, and we are a saved, uh, we are uh, living in a salvation, we are a saved person." Like, we are to let it all go, and we are to move towards Christ one step at a time and embrace that lifestyle, because what happens is that lifestyle then points back to God, which is the whole point. We've had a couple sermons on that, too, is that our lives are to point back to the holy God. Our holy lives point back to our holy God as our source. Uh, Paul has this uh, interesting—he has this similar language in Colossians 3.17. It's really kind of my life verse. This is my favorite verse. And he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed— Do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, And so he's saying, in all things that you do, we are to do it to God's glory, because our lives are to point back to the life of God. But then he's got to go on and get all Leviticus on us. And this is where you look at Peter and go, really? So this is number two on the top ten, or a, a second item of the top ten list, and he goes all Leviticus on us. This scripture where he goes, hey, you want to be holy in all things that you do, Then he says, he reminds us, be holy because I am holy. This scripture comes out of Leviticus, and I want to read this for you. Uh, Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45. Um, And listen, because he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. He says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. There's number one. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord. And here, listen to this motif, This literally this imagery that comes out. He said, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Peter is drawing us back to um, this, uh, this imagery of Leviticus and Egypt. All throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, God strictly says all the time, hey, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. And what Peter begins to do with this particular scripture, and really what happens all throughout the New Testament, is that Egypt time frame begins to parallel with Christianity. So the removal, literally the leaving of Egypt, is salvation for the Jews, just like the understanding is when we give our lives to Christ, that is our salvation. And so he is pulling us out of Egypt with Salvation, he's literally pulling us out of Egypt uh, and, and removing that sin from us. When they went through the Red Sea, it's the same parallel as baptism that we are saying, okay, I am completely yours. And then when we get to the book of Leviticus, the entire book of Leviticus, y'all, is literally about being holy. He helps to give them a structure on how it is they can be and should be holy. When we go back and we read it because of our context, we don't like it because it's really because it's such a it's about uh, a time frame that's literally almost 6,000 years ago. And we're like, man, this is a long time ago, and this doesn't make sense to me. The whole you know sacrifices and, and animal stuff and all that just doesn't make sense to me. It would have made a lot more sense to them. And that's the whole point to what they're doing. Uh, in that particular book, the whole point of what God is doing is to say here is how you can live a holy life. Uh, so uh, without going all Leviticus on you, uh, so to speak, um, let me help give you a method, because I recognize that, uh, that for some of us, we're like, we're like, fine, okay, live holy lives, whatever. Well, how can we do that? How do we get rid of the sin? Is there something that we can do? <laughs> yeah, and uh, get ready, because this is going to convict you to no end, um, and it is a method, <laughs> methodism. Uh, it is a method to help you do this, uh, and it's going to hurt. I'm just going to let you know. And if you, We all have sin, and if you don't walk away from this list not convicted at least a little bit, Uh, then I praise you in the name of Jesus for reaching perfection, okay? So watch this. This is the list on how to move towards being holy. So a few weeks ago, I was working on small group material and training small group leaders at Mineral Wells United Methodist Church. And I have taught Wesley's 21 questions. Some people call it 22. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, But I've taught these questions, at least as the understanding of this was the foundation of the initial holy club, how Methodism got its start. So talking in confirmation, I talk about this stuff all the time, but it's been a long time since so I've actually walked through the questions. And as I was walking through the questions, <laughs> I went, oh my gosh, this is horrid. Um, it is so hard to listen, and it's so hard to read. It is convicting. I don't even have to ask myself the questions. Just reading them convicts my heart. And so what I want to do is just very slowly, we're going to walk through these questions uh, just kind of one at a time. I'm not going to you know, take too much time on this, but here you are. Uh, Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? (laughs) It's The very first thing we always argue from outside the church, right? I don't want to go to church because they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. And Wesley's like, yeah, we can fix that. (laughs) We can fix that. Number two, uh, am I honest in all of my acts and words or do I exaggerate? Because when we start talking about exaggeration, what happens is it all becomes about us. It becomes about self-centered. And everything that we are supposed to be doing, remember, is to point back to our holy God. The third one uh, is, oh yeah, I guess I need to probably do this. Uh, Do I confidently pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Now you see the star here on this one. And the reason why the star is here, and this is where the argument comes in, that Wesley had 21 or 22 questions. We don't really know if it's 21 or if it's 22. Uh, it really depends on how you write them. Sometimes this particular question is separated. So the question initially could be, do I confidently pass on to another what was told to be in confidence? The end. The next question, which opens up a whole new world, could be, can I be trusted? So either way you write this, this is heavily convicting because then are you hearing things from folks and then passing it on to somebody else who really doesn't need to hear about it. It turns into gossip. Fourth question, am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Uh, I may have just answered simply yes. Number five, uh, am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? I don't think I need to go back on that one because the word self is in there three times and gives us enough of an indication, right? Number six, this one was convicting. Six and seven really got a hold of my heart. Did the Bible live in me today? Which means you have to have read it, right? That means you at some point have to really dig into it. And then as you dig into it, this is where number seven comes in. Do I give it time to speak to me every day? So he is pushing and helping us to understand the means of grace. We've talked about how searching the scriptures is one of those spiritual disciplines. we talk about becoming more and more holy. When we read about holiness, we become more holy. We begin to take on those habits. Did I give it time to speak to me and it did the Bible actually live in me today. Number eight, am I enjoying prayer? That didn't ask the question, are you praying? The question was, am I enjoying prayer? Yeah, that's a really different way of looking at it. Number nine, when did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Now, this is a question I think is convicting simply because I think we could look at almost anybody in the church and say, when was that? And most people cannot remember a time that you either have done it. It's either been a long time and they couldn't remember the last time, or they've never done it at all, which is exactly opposite of what the gospel says that we are to be doing with our lives. We are to be spreading the gospel. That doesn't mean you have to be an evangelist on a street corner doing your thing. That doesn't mean that you have to be going, knock, you know, knocking door to door to door. What we're talking about is, are you being Christ? Are you speaking Christ out loud with people who are uh, in, within your circle of influence? Um, Number 10, do I pray about the money I spend? Yeah, that hurts too, right? Because if you, you know the old, the old adage, I think when I was growing up in church in, in uh, the 90s, the old adage was your checkbook can tell you where your heart is. Uh, and that's really that's what I think of every time I see that question is, do I pray about the money I spend? Meaning, where is my heart at? Uh, and do I actually look and realize there is more mission work that I can be doing? There's something more beneficial in the community that I could be doing my money rather than just padding whatever it is that I want done number 11 do I get to bed on time and get up on time next question do I disobey God in anything I don't want to talk about number 11 uh, especially Paul Klein because I know he'll tag me for texting him at two o'clock in the morning number 12 is do I disobey God in anything yes number 13 Uh, do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Now, for some folks, that's an easy question to answer because we're like, no, if I'm uneasy, I'm not doing it. But can I tell you that for some folks, that's a little bit harder because we peer pressure into things incredibly easy. Whenever a crowd is around us and we do whatever the crowd wants to do, we take on that crowd mentality. It's really hard sometimes for folks to go, okay, I'm uneasy with this, but I'll just go ahead and do it now. I'll just do it this one time. Uh, it's really difficult uh, for some folks to be able to get through that. Number 14, uh, am I defeated in any part of my life? That hurts uh, because you go, okay, that one sin, that one sin that you hang on to, that you bring in uh, from your time before Christ, that is generally what that means. Are you defeated? Is that thing ruling your life? Number 15, am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? Uh Wow, <laughs> that's a lot for one question. The asterisks are here because this is also sometimes a discrepancy. Sometimes those two questions, when it comes to whether it's Wesley's 21 or 22 questions, sometimes those two questions are combined so that it gives examples. Am I defeated? In other words, jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchable, uh, touchy, or distrustful. So, like, whether, again, whether you put them together or you separate them, it doesn't really matter. They're still just as convicting. Number 16, how do I spend my spare time? Um... Wesley literally had his schedule down to 15 minute increments. 15 minute increments. Man wasted no time, none. You know, when we sit down and we, we pull out phones and we're playing on video games and stuff like that, man, my whole family right now has been sucked back into Wordsworth Friends. Don't judge us. We only play each other. Uh, so if anybody tries to f- uh, try to send me a game, I will not take it. I love you, but it is not against you, I promise. We're just playing inter-family. But like, we, we spend a lot of time doing that, simply because for us, it's like, hey, it's how we, how we relate to each other and how we spend some time with each other. But how many times do we sit down and we look at phones or we're or, or playing games or we're doing whatever, And we're doing that for our spare time. And I recognize that we've got, just like anybody else, I do the same thing because I want to take my mind down. And I've got to get it to where it's not thinking about bigger, important things because I'm hurting or whatever. But Wesley's like, don't waste time. How do I spend my spare time? Number 17, this one goes without saying, am I proud? Uh, Because again, that's self-driven, right? Number 18, do I thank God that I am not as other people, especially as the Pharisees, uh, as the Pharisee who despised the publican, this, this particular question caught me off guard a little bit. Because the first time I saw it, I thought, do I thank God that I'm not as other people? I was like, well, that's arrogant. Why in the world? And then I read the rest of it, which was, especially as the Pharisee, oh, that's right. Okay, the one that Jesus looked at and said, yeah, don't be like that guy over there who is so thankful that he's not like the others as he's praying out loud in the temple. Right. Um, yeah, that's not good, right? Do I have that kind of arrogance? 19, 20, 21, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment towards, or disregard? In other words, don't let the sun go down on anger and all the distrust, right? So if so, what am I doing about it? Number 20, do I grumble or complain constantly? Um, we used to do this a lot more. We don't do it as much now But you can walk around our house, and you can probably still see posted scriptures. We had scriptures kind of posted up all over. And a lot of times they were posted in places uh, that were uh, pertinent to the location in the house. So, for instance, uh, in the laundry room, because the boys were doing their own laundry, uh, this particular scripture, this is a question, but this is based upon scripture, this particular scripture about grumbling and complaining was posted in the laundry room. Do I grumble or complain constantly? And this last one is the one, I think... um, that I think it's the most important. I recognize this is the last one, and I think it's that way simply because it wants. To, we need to be left with this thought, so to speak. But is Christ real to me? That one hurts, because as a pastor, sometimes it's really easy to see. And I'm not talking about just the well. I'm talking about any church I've been a part of. I'm talking about anywhere I've ever visited. It doesn't matter. It's, I always have that question in the back of my head. Is Christ really real to some folks, or, is church, or we just play in church? Um, and it's really hard to ponder and process, if we're just playing church, then what are we doing? Why are we here? If Christ is not real and Christ is not changing me and Christ is not, and Jesus is literally not having an impact in my life, then what's the point of getting up and being here at 9 or 1030 on Sunday morning? Um, and that's a hard one to, to face because that means we're going to have to make a lot of changes in our lives if we realize that Christ is not really truly real. He's just this dude that lived 2,000 years ago and I need to go back and just glance over it and know his life and feel better about myself. Um, that's a hard one. So those are your 21 questions. Um, to ponder through, to be able to go, okay, how can I become more holy? Walk through those questions. Walk through those questions. You want to go, okay, Corey, how do I get a copy of this? I was trying to figure out a way, hey, could we put a PDF out? We may actually email a PDF of this out to everybody. Uh, these will be used in our small groups as well, in our community wells. Um, but the idea is, You can literally Google Wesley's 21 questions and get this list. You don't have to wait on us. And ask yourself those things. Start working your way through them. Here's the bottom line, is that holiness is more than behavior modification. Um, For the longest time in Western civilization, specifically the Western church, we have really pushed, and this has been a, a problem in the modern church, that we have really pushed people towards behavior modification as if that is what leads people to Jesus. And we go, you know what, if you quit your drinking, if you quit your smoking, if you quit your running around, and and don't cheat on your wife, don't cheat on your husband, if you can do all those things and clean your language up, then you're okay. And the problem is, those things don't lead us to Christ. We cut those things out of our lives, and just because we're trying to do behavior modification to make ourselves feel better, that doesn't mean that we now know Christ more. It's actually the other way around. It's quite the opposite. The more our heart changes, the more our behavior becomes modified. It is not the other way around. And so I want to make sure that we that we step that up and recognize that. 2 Peter says that. It's an interesting way that Paul puts it in, in Second Peter. Uh, I'm sorry, in Second Timothy. <laughs> Paul and Peter. Yeah, I'll get it right eventually. 2 Timothy 1 9. Listen to what Paul is telling Timothy as he's writing this letter to him. He says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Hear that. Saved us, called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and his grace. We are called to the holy life, but only after we are made whole first. But we are still called to the holy life. It is not about go holiness first and then you get salvation. It's the salvation will begin to change your life and move you towards holiness. Because what happens is holiness deepens our relationship with God. It does. The more holy you become, the more, more like Christ you become. The more like Christ you become, you, the more you get to experience and deepen that relationship and get to know Christ More and more and more. I've always looked at sin as that brick wall that's in front of you. and It's like God is on the other side of that brick wall. Confess your sin, remove a brick. Every time you confess your sin, you remove that brick. And eventually, as you confess your sins, and you continue to not pile up more than as you're confessing, uh, then that wall comes down, and the more holy you become, the more that wall becomes uh, lower, and you can see and experience and have face-to-face conversation with your Creator. I've always felt like sin was that brick wall. The more holy we become, the more we get to experience God in a mighty and a powerful way. Um, y'all, I'm not sure if you recognize the, uh, the Wesleyan terminology for this, uh, but, y'all, that's called sanctification. And we're becoming more like Christ every single day. That is sanctification. That is the purest definition of sanctification, y'all. Um, and if you've been paying attention over the last couple, two or three weeks, all this series is on holy, holy, holy is really the movements of grace and how we in a Wesleyan tradition understand salvation. Um, the holiness in our hearts that God has been working on, that Jesus has been working on filling the gaps for, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's prevenient grace. That God has already been working on our lives before we even knew what it is that we needed. Uh, the idea that Christ makes us whole when we give our lives to him and we say, I am yours and we give up our life, yeah, that's justification. And the idea of becoming more holy, that is sanctification, straight up and down. So my question to you is this. Um, Will you ask yourself those questions from Wesley? Will you ask yourself those questions every single day? Will you allow yourself to even be transparent enough to answer those questions within a community well, within a small group setting? Would you actually be trustworthy and feel trusting enough of others in your group to be able to answer those questions? Because that's how they did it. That's how they answered those questions within small groups. This is why we've been pushing towards that. That is how we grow as a disciple and become more and more of a disciple Will you let Jesus repair the holiness? Will you let Jesus literally complete you and make you holy? Uh, and literally holy his. And will you strive towards that life of holiness? Uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So for the response time, um, we're doing a song called Yearn by Shane and Shane. Uh, an absolutely incredible song, but uh, really want you to process Wesley's 21 questions. Um, if you want to google the questions even if you want to google the lyrics and, and, and do this um, uh, whatever it takes to spend some time just processing what it means for you to let go of sin and to be holy uh, do that during this time
0: holy design this place that I might seek and find my God, my God. Lord, I want to yearn for you. I want to burn Go! Oh.
1: so much for joining us in worship. Uh, we're really excited that you are here today. Uh, make sure to continue to leave comments and just say hey. We love it when people say hey to us and uh, let us know that they're there. Uh, so again, continue to look at social media. Make sure you know when we're starting back in worship. We will be back in person shortly. Uh, but today our benediction uh, is, is pretty simple. We're going back to a Le- uh, Leviticus 11:45. Uh, 45. Uh, be holy because I am holy. Leave here today Uh, you know, close your computers, turn off your phones today, uh, knowing that we are called to be holy uh, and that we are to go live lives of holiness and to be able to reach out to others through that. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.